Welcome to the Fifth Inning Podcast, where we talk about hot topics in youth baseball. I'm your host, Hunter Vansall, alongside my co-host, Chris Garcella. And on today's episode, we've got an awesome guest here, uh, Ryan Henry. Ryan, tell us about yourself, man. Yeah, man, thanks for having me on. Uh, my name's Ryan. I, uh, I'm actually a local guy who grew up here in Houston. Um, you know, I went to Dobie High School um, and played baseball there, but, you know, my love for baseball is kind of what drove me into this and ended up going to UTSA um, for my, my five-year college uh, degree there. And funny enough, I wanted to be an engineer coming out of, out of college, you know, thinking money was the big thing. And then it's like, man, baseball is, baseball is it. And so um, dove quickly into the business side of baseball, and, and that's kind of where I thought it was going to go. And, um, you know, I, I, I had some friends that worked in the industry and in, in, in this industry, and they were like, hey, you should apply. And I applied for the business job. So I don't know if you knew this, but I've, I actually started on the business side of the company before I started coaching. Nice. Uh, um, and then found out I'm really good with people. And the more that I was around the weight room, more ta- I was talking in there, it's just the, 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 the people started being around. And I was like, man, like, I got to sell a product. And if I don't know what I'm selling, then why am I here? I knew nothing about the sports industry, like strength and conditioning. I knew nothing about that before I started here. Yeah. Um, so it's been kind of a crazy ride. Um, you know, I have my CSCS now, which is basically a certified strength and conditioning uh, specialist. Basically, I can coach at the division one or higher. Um, and I've learned all the stuff in the last seven years post uh, graduating with my business degree from UTSA. That's um, awesome. And so, yeah, it's been kind of crazy. Um, you know, I started in, in 2017 of January. I worked as an intern at Houston Christian High School, which is where our DSD West location is at. Um, and then once I went through there into the summer of 17, um, I worked at Tom Ball out there at Premier Baseball of Texas. Nice. Um, able to work with a lot of really cool athletes out there. I was running all the business stuff out there. And then, um, you know, we had, we had a couple things coming up. And then in May of 18, uh, we opened up DST South, which is where uh, we're at right now. So Nice. Where's that location at? Uh, it's in Webster, Texas, uh, literally right across from Ellington Air Force Base. So it's nice. on the south side of Houston there uh, that, w- that we have a gym. And, you know, we trained a lot of really good athletes in the area. And it's been, been a lot of fun. So That's entering sweet. my seventh year has been, been a crazy ride. But, uh, but it, you know, I'm the face of the, the, the South location, which is never, so, never something that I thought I would have been, you yeah. know especially coming as the business guy. So, um, you know, I've worked with, with a lot of crazy people. I mean, Bregman was the, one of the first ever athletes I got to work with at wow. North. Um, you Talk know. about a first athlete. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, mean, dude, I, I met Carlos Correa on my interview day, and I was like, I want to work here. I'm yeah. in. Wow. I'm sold. That's so, sick. Uh, well, well, tell us a little bit about DST. Yeah, DST. So Dynamic Sports Training is the company that's founded by Lee Fiocchi. Um, he started the company 15 years ago at a park. Uh, he had two, two parents that showed up. It was 5 a.m. and It was dark. It was pitch black. Uh, he had some people show up and just started training them. Um, and then over the years, we started working with more athletes. He got into Houston Christian High School there. And, um, you know, we eventually kind of branched out a little bit from, from that point. Um, you know, he's worked with anybody from, from uh, Adam Dunn to Carl Crawford to, you know, I could name a lot of names back in the day that he used to work with. Um, you know, so it, it's, it's a pretty cool company, but we're a strength and conditioning company. We have three locations in Houston. Uh, like I mentioned, this DST South there in Webster. Uh, one in uh, West Houston there at Houston Christian High School. Uh, mm-hmm. They're in Tomball, Premier Baseball, Texas. And we have two in Arizona, Arizona Christian University, Arizona uh, Phoenix Christian High School, and then one in San Antonio. It's just DST San Antonio. So wow. um, been able to kind of branch out. We started it with uh, with two whenever I started working there. We're at six now. So yeah. uh, we've grown a lot over the, over the years, but still a relatively small company. Um, I think there's like 25 of us within the whole company here. So. Uh, Dang! Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah, yeah, and so you know, quite an alumni too. Very, yeah. very much. I get, I could, I could name a ton of people, but you know, the guy that I work with, Sam Knox, uh, there at DST South, he's uh he's a strength coach in the Astros organization. Nice. Uh, he's going to be there in AAA with with Sugarland Space Cowboys this year. Mm-hmm. The last two years, he's been in High A with uh, Asheville. Okay. Uh, my boss, Kevin Poppy, another another one of the owners. He's uh he's the like the pitching coordinator uh, for the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> so he's That's working cool. around all the, all the facilities there. And then uh, we got Garrett Kelly over at the Arizona location. He's now with double A with the Padres. And so okay. very intertwined with baseball and what we do. That's, that's our niche. And it's mainly the athletes that we train. Um, and Lee is also with the angels prior to, he was with them for five years. And so I'm sure we'll kind of touch some of this stuff, but some of the stuff he did with the angels uh, was pretty special and kind of where DST is going now uh, down this path. Like I showed you the other day with the, uh, the elbow enforcer stuff. Oh, yeah. that, that thing was pretty cool. It looks like a Iron Man gauntlet, but but that's kind of where we're going nowadays. Yeah, it's crazy looking. It's crazy it's looking. It's pretty sweet. Well, uh, a little bit about, I mean, you mentioned whenever you 
got into went went to UTSA, right? Like you yeah. really wanted to stay involved in baseball. Yeah. So did you play baseball at UTSA? Like what was your extent of your <laughs> baseball career? Yeah. So I, funny enough, I wasn't good enough to play in college. And so I, I, I'm not very tall, I'm, you know, five, eight. And so that, that was always my disadvantage a little bit. And, you know, I threw 78 coming out of high school. So it was really nothing. Right. But my love of baseball was always there. And I actually ended up being uh, president of the club baseball team for, for four years while I was That's out awesome. there. So I still got to play a little bit. We were traveling around. If you don't know much about club baseball, you're playing other colleges. You're playing UT, Texas Tech, Texas State. I mean, you're playing in these big tournaments against other people like myself that just weren't quite good enough, or they were really good but didn't want to go on the NCAA side, right? And they just want to play around, you know, and almost like a beer-drinking league yeah. kind of is basically what right. that club yeah. baseball is a little bit. But there were some good athletes. Don't get me wrong. There were some really, really good athletes uh, that went out there, and they had a whole World Series in Florida and stuff for that. But, uh, but yeah, I knew one day I was like, man, I got to work in baseball. Like this is this is something that I got to do. It's my passion. It's my love, and that's kind of where I've gotten into with this. That's awesome. Yeah. So transitioning from like the the business side over to things to being hands on involved in strength conditioning, yeah. like what's that transition been like? Man, it's it's honestly been crazy. Just be, again because I was the guy behind the scenes. I was taking calls, taking payments, scheduling stuff. You know, making video content. So. This, this is all kind of my realm, too. I'm, I'm kind of a nerd whenever it comes to stuff. I love being on a computer and, <laughs> yeah. look, and looking at, at things. And, and you know, I did video software and things like that for DST and created graphics and all that. Um, and then, like I said, you know, I, I needed a product to sell. And so the more that I, I studied this stuff and what the body, the anatomy, physiology, and everything was, the more I understood it. And, again, the more I was in the weight room, I was like, man, I'm actually kind of a good coach. Um, and so just the more I was around it, the more it transitioned to be into that. And, and again, just being in the weight room, basically the whole time, you know, you make those relationships and the connections and people love being around, around me. And, you know, and that's something that I take pride in too, is, you know, having a good, good, uh, leadership skills and things like that. And so it's, again, it's been, it's been crazy kind of getting into the coaching a little bit, but I thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, it's a crazy, crazy job, honestly. And again, the people we work with is, is nuts. Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, you, you got kids all the way from Jackson. He's, he's over here off camera uh, at the age of 10 yeah. all the way to big leaguers. I mean, that's just that's yeah. wild. Yeah, wow. our location at South, I mean, we got Corey Jolks. He's an Astros guy. Connor Wong, he plays for the Red Sox. Nathan Evaldi, yeah. right, World Series winner this past year, was a stud. Um, you know, he's got a 10-year career. But those are those are three of our big guys that we got at South right now. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, well, okay, let's transition on to the first inning question. So yeah. what role does strength conditioning play in baseball today at higher levels? And then how does that differ from 10 to 15 years ago? Man, 10 to 15 years ago, it was uh, <laughs> the science, really, I think is what really sets it apart. I mean, you have these force plates. You have you know, all, all the, the spin rate and stuff that you see even in just in pitch selection and everything yeah. now. I mean, that, that in itself is just a whole different realm. But you think about 10 years ago, you know, they, they were doing some speed stuff, like in a sense of how far past does the bar move and things like that. But with the, the amount of readings that you can get nowadays, I mean, they, they have all kind of discrepancies. They go left foot, right foot, torso, arms, legs. They can see everything to size of what everything looks like, just specifically just by standing on a plate, mm -hmm. right, and that type of stuff. But, you know, um, it, I'd say it's probably so important in baseball nowadays um, just because of the high injury rates, right? Tommy John is the biggest thing that – it's yeah. coming around and yeah. that's it's even happened in Jackson's age you know at 10 years old people are, kids are having Tommy John and so um that's kind of where i think this is the most important part of developing is making sure you're strong enough um and and again we're not in the in the business of being big right we're not bodybuilders we're not powerlifters but you want to be strong and powerful enough to to swing a bat you're you're a rotational athlete so everything from the hips the shoulders the scaps right everything your core like that has to be so in in in, in intertwined with stuff um, that I think it's such a big deal in baseball. I mean, you know, they're paying coaches a hundred thousand dollars a year plus just to be a strength coach. I feel like that's a, a pretty yeah. good indication of what, of what it is, you know, um, obviously you got your strength coaches in, and, you know, D1 football, they're paying millions. It's not quite like that in baseball, yeah. um, but you're still going to make six figures and stuff like that, but it's huge. So yeah. how much of a difference has like technology played into man, man like how strength conditioning has changed? I feel like Whenever I was playing my first year in college, I mean, we were, it, it was just like, you got your body, your basic body scan, you're doing, yeah, you're scan do probably. yeah, you're doing like height jump, like vertical jumps, yeah. you're doing like your physical tests, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And by the end of it, like I'm getting a full, I feel like I'm getting an MRI of my body telling me what my body fat index is, BMI index is to like every single rep is measured of yep. like how explosive my squad is to you know my whole plan that i had from like a strength and conditioning standpoint was like 
structured just mm-hmm. to my own development because yeah. of like whatever whatever injuries I had, whatever you know body you know muscles in my body were different from the other part of my body right and everything was just so customized so like i got to see a pretty big change but like i guess from maybe a youth standpoint how has it changed since you've started man the youth is tough just because you can't be you can't be over over zealous whenever it comes to that stuff like it's yeah. just the basics that you know like we talked yeah. about that it's just you know i can't put a bar on his back just because his body's not strong enough the the muscles just aren't dense enough and his bones aren't dense enough you know, to withstand those forces. So you don't need to, you know, you don't need to jump ahead, you know, walk before you run type thing. Um, but even then, like you're saying, like there's, there's all these types of things that you can stand on and give you discrepancies of where you're deficient of left foot, right foot. Like, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, just that in itself, the technology there and the force plates really is, is huge. I mean, you can put it on a mound nowadays and see how much force you're pushing into the ground and how much velocity is coming from that stuff. Wow. too. I yeah. mean, there, there are so many cool gadgets out there that are really, really cool to use. Um, you know, we only use a couple. We use the jump mat, which is testing vertical. Yeah. Um, we have lasers where we run tens at our facility, but obviously lasers are going to be better than your hand time, right? And yeah. so it's just more effective uh, whenever it comes to the tracing, tra- the the training norms and the testing norms. Um, but but again, man, like like you're saying, like you can see from left arm, right arm, left leg, right leg, torso, uh, posterior side, anterior side, like all of that stuff is going to be labeled on these DEXA scans, like you mentioned. And, and again, just, it's going to be more detailed and more organized because as you know, not everybody's the same, right? All three of us in this room, all four of us in the room are going to have different mobility patterns, right? We're going to move differently. We're going to run differently. We're going to throw differently. Like all of these things you got to take into account, but you want to be so individualized with the person. That's how they're going to get the best that they can be. And that's kind of where DST specializes in itself is the private side is that we, every person that comes into our, our facility is going to get an assessment. They're going to get something that, that sees the, you know, the scat movement and everything like I mentioned and then we give them a program specifically for them. Yeah. Have like the lifts that you guys are implementing, have they changed at all? Like, is it just power clean, squat, bench, incline, bench? Like, is it pretty much standard or like? Yeah. Funny enough, it's pretty, pretty basic to be honest with you. Um, you know, our, most of our facilities won't do Olympic lifts, so we're not cleaning, we're not snatching anything hmm. like that just because of the compromised potential yeah. of the shoulder but there's different exercises that we can use that are going to result the same thing that we're trying to get. Right. And so mm-hmm. obviously you need hip extension whenever you pitch and, and that's a big thing that's coming off the mound. And so you want to train hip extension. Um, but if you want to get overhead, I mean, you got all kinds of ways that you can do it, you know, you, but you're still doing your basic chin ups, bench press, deadlifts, squats, um, where we've kind of revolved is like every year it's been kind of different. Sammy's gone off to do his, his thing at, at, with the Astros and then comes back and we kind of collectively think about it. Um, and really we've implemented more of what we call like pen squats, squatting to a pen and going more of the concentric base. So it's not the fully centric, basically like a quarter to a half squat explode on the way up. And it's more of your running positions, right? Mm -hmm. And so these guys are trying to get faster. You're trying to get more explosive. So you want to try and mimic those angles, um, that are going to make you more explosive than that. I'd say one thing that, that I, I've heard the word mobility a lot, Yeah. right? So like that was something we didn't talk about 20 years ago, mobility and, and extension. I mean, I'm sure you. A lot of hip flexor flexor injuries in baseball, yeah. um, and so being able to train that, yeah, is that there's a science behind training. Oh, without for, with, prevent those injuries with, without a, without a doubt, and you know if if you're tight, you're, you're going to have a higher chance of you know just not being able to move efficiently, right? And so you mm-hmm. want to be limber, but you don't want to be so limber that you you know that your your body and muscles aren't tense enough, right? And so that's what comes from from plyometrics and things like that is where you're going to create that tension mm-hmm. uh, within the body is whenever you're doing those types of movements. Um, but you're not wrong. Like mobility is huge, man. Um, it, you know, if somebody can't get overhead, like that's going to be a big thing for them that, that they're going to have to, cause again, they're, they're a thrower, right? You have to be able to get overhead. If the lats are tight, if the shoulders tight, you know, if the scaps can't move in, in the direction that they can't go to, I mean, you're not going to be efficient. Right. And these guys are playing at such a high level nowadays. I mean, it, everybody throws a hundred, like that's, that's, what's crazy is nowadays is, you know, 10 years ago, nobody would like. I think it was like 94 was probably the fastest that people were really like everybody yeah. throws like hards 90, 91, but everybody like was trying to get to 94. And then you got guys like uh Chapman and, and Jordan Hicks that are throwing one Oh seven. It's yeah. like more and more people are throwing a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. yeah. And that, and that's the big thing is trying to stay resilient in that because you know, it, it's higher chances of injury, the harder you throw. So you're taking the, uh, taking Evaldi for, yeah. for an example, right? Yeah. So you, 
He, he comes in. He he has a, obviously an pretty assessment. good pitcher. Yeah, not not I'd too say, bad. I'd say right? so. I'd say so. <laughs> maybe, maybe not a, a favorite in Houston right now. But, you know, um, yeah, I right. love him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a great dude. He's a great dude. So, but but anyways, but, but yeah, you you take him and you you see some maybe movement pattern deficiencies or things where he needs to improve. Are you looking at it saying we need to improve this so you can prevent this type of injury, and then you assess? and give him a program based on that or how's that it, work? It's so much harder with professionals yeah. because when you have someone that's young 10, they don't know how to move yet, right? And so you have to teach them the basics. So I say it's harder, but it's almost easier because Nathan's been training for 20, 25 years now. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's 33 years old, right? And so you got to think about all through high school. He went straight to the pros right out of high school and immediately worked with, with professional uh, strength coaches we don't have to be overly specific with him, right? Because he's done this for so long. His training age is so high. Whenever you get to a point from after season, it's more so, hey, what do you think you need to work on? How can we team up together? That way you can get the best program possible. So as y'all know, he sat, you know, I think the last half of the, the right after the All-Star break, he's out for like two months with the forearm injury, right? So yep. we're taking these things into account. How can we get past this injury and prepare you so that way, you know, if you do start having these things again, these symptoms, we can kind of pick up on it now and make sure we're prepared and, and our bodies resilient before you go back into the season. Yeah. Um, so it is being specific, but not, not so much where we have to teach them the basics. Right. And so mm-hmm. again, his, his whole thing right now is just be more powerful. He yeah. wants to continue to be powerful. He's a flamethrower. You know, he throws 97 on a good day. Um, he's talking about doing flat ground. He's like 94 right now. He's like smooth as butter, 94. So again, it's, it's, it's specific, but it's not so much. that It's like, we got to overthink this yeah. stuff. Give him good training. Make sure he's powerful. Make sure he's jumping. Make sure he's doing his sprints, and just let him work. You know that that's the big thing for him. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, he had he had what two and a half months, almost three months before he's got to go back. You know, playing the World Series and taking into account for us workload and workload. Well, he he was supposed to go play in the World Baseball Classic, and so he left this year earlier than everybody else because they were they were prepping for that stuff. Obviously, he didn't play. Yeah. Right, but he was still ramping up for those things. So his his off season this year has been super short. Okay. Yeah, and so that that's always a big thing too is that you gotta you gotta take into account like how long their off season is. Like I, I just got a guy that's uh, with single eye. I mean, he's been with me since October. Uh, actually, yeah. yeah. So that's a long off season. You know, he's gonna get a full six months <clears throat> of of off from throwing and ramping up and playing a lot. That he's gonna have a really, really, really good off season going into the season. Feeling great. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah I remember uh, one of my buddies is in. Uh, he's with. I think he got called up to Double A at the end of this year with the Astros, so he was in Corpus Christi. Okay, and uh, he was um, looking forward for the off season, yeah. needless to say. And then he gets a call about a week after the or week before the season ends. He's like, "Hey, you're going to the Arizona Fall League," <laughs> and so that extends him another like yeah. month and a half. And and now it's like you know I'm, I'm talking to him pretty much, uh, I would say like two or three times a week now. And it's like he's like, "Yeah, like now I got to pretty much change my entire routine of like." my shutdown like yep. you know i think he ended up throwing close to 20 innings in the arizona i mean that's a lot for a reliever for sure you know so it's just like you know those type of guys where it's like you have this plan but you got to be flexible i mean the arizona fall league ain't no joke like no. that's an honor to get to that's, go to do yeah, that that's not a bad thing right yeah that's no. a really good thing <laughs> no. and so and so now it's like you know he gets to change his whole you know I guess recovery period, but yeah. it's crazy. You know, you don't really think about that whenever you're just a fan of the game, but whenever you you see these guys that are like trying to compete at the highest level, like you got to shut it down. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's probably the biggest thing that that me growing up as a fan, like you don't see behind the scenes, and this is way behind the scenes. You know, this, yeah. this is something that no one's going to be thinking about. You're going to see on the news where Shohei Otani went or how much this person made, right? But you're, signed six hundred mil. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> spend a billion dollars in in two weeks. You know, but. But the thing is, like, they don't see the side of things and where where we come from, um, and the preparation that these guys take. I mean, it, it's it's every bit of toll on them, you know. And and once they get into the offseason, they don't want to talk about baseball. They 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 want to shut it down completely and let their mind recover. Um, I, I remember that was one thing that that Carlos said one time was just, you know, hey, how was the season? Was hey, I don't want to talk about it right now. <laughs> I get it. Like you just played 170 games, um, playoffs and all. You know, it's like that's that's a long season to be thinking about baseball and. And as you know, it's a grind. Yeah, it's a grind. It's a grind. Yeah. So, so whenever they get time off, they're ready to take time off. But then, but then you know, the off season's so short, right? And so the only, I mean, not the only time to get stronger during the off season, but that is the time to get stronger. Absolutely. Because once you get into season, it, I mean, you have it's to manage tough. workloads. You yeah. have to 
worry about recovery and it's a grind, right? And and not even just so much of that's performance, right? Yeah. If you're if you're a young guy, you have to perform. Otherwise you're yeah, gone. You know, right. you, you got such a small amount of time that you're gonna get to play. And if you don't perform in that that time period, I mean you got you got fifteen guys yeah. behind you about to yeah. come up. Yeah. You know, and so, yep. so yeah, basically <laughs> next one and out, you know, and so so it's it's every bit matters in, in the off season. I mean, this is this is the chance to to really take over and, and take your, your performance to the next level. And and again, if you had battling injuries, like take care of those now. Take care of all that stuff now, prep now. That way whenever you do go to spring training, I mean you're you're well covered at that point. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So we talk about you know having a variation with these different guys that you're you're obviously coaching and right. helping with. So like, what is what would you say is DST's philosophy or approach to helping these athletes still fluctuate with their schedules, but also be able to reach their goals? I mean, it, it's an individualistic approach, right? Everybody's goals are different. Everybody's going to have some type of goal that they're trying to get to, whether it is gain more velo, whether it is I want to. If you're a high school kid, I want to run a sub six five sixty, right? Like these types of things, and so it's the individual approach. Um, you know, from from what I understand in in all of this, like I don't think a lot of people take the time to go individual assessments. And this person needs this. This person needs this. This person needs to focus on more mobility, whatever it is. And I think that's what makes us stand out to to me, right? And and again, what I hear from the area um, is the individual approach, but. You know, most people they're going to charge extra for speed sessions, right? We do all speed together. If you're going to pay extra, use force plates. That's in, in our program. If you go to Tomball, you got Rap Soto, you got Trackman, you got these things that are that are going to be tools that you can use. That I think really, really separate. You know what a lot of people are trying to do, and and Houston is a huge city, as you know, right? Like yep. it's it's massive, third largest in the, in yeah, the country, of course, right? <laughs> but but on our side of town, the south side of town, there's not performance training like this. Yeah, there yeah. there really isn't, and, and and it really is hard and come to come uh, defined. You know, yep. anybody can train. That's the hard part too, is that anybody can do this. You know, and whenever you have professionals in the industry that you know go work for the the Strohs or the Angels or whatever, right? Like it really sets it apart. You know? Sounds sounds a lot like baseball teams, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone thinks they can do it, but it, yeah. it it's not easy, you know. And, and definitely running a business has opened my eyes too. Of like not even just on the training side of things, running a business is a whole different world too. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot of complications that come from it. So, yeah. um, I, I think that's probably the biggest thing that stands out to me of what DST is is that and the relationships that we build. Um, you know, I think that second and far none that you're never, never going to find anywhere is again, just the, the amount of people that we come in contact with and the amount of people that trust us. Um, I think it's huge. I'd, I'd say the, um, I mean, you can talk about it a little bit too, but I mean, like 10 year old goes in there and he has an individual book program that's catered to him. Yeah. Right? That's sick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and again, it has to be like that though. Like you're paying us X amount of money. And if I'm just going to give you a Joe Schmo book or just, you know, put you in a corner and, hey, go do this without coaching or teaching or anything like that, I'm, I'm doing him a disservice, right? He's just yep. wasting his money. Um, and so I, I personally, I take pride in that stuff, too. And no matter if it's Jackson or whether it's Evaldi, you got to train those people the same. You got to treat them the same. And I think that's what's really important. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I guess kind of on more of the topic of like you've got like such a short window with some of these guys. Yeah. So how do you. I mean, how do you make sure that they don't lose a stride on their development? Because, I mean, I think about it like from when I was in college, it was like, I mean, I have the whole two to like, almost a year right. with my coaching, my coaching staff and my strength conditioning coaches for them to evaluate. And so every year it's getting more precise and precise and precise and precise because they right. know who I am. They know what my like deficiencies are, where, where my strengths are. Right. Right. With that short window that you've got, like, how do you make sure that they don't miss a stride in their development? It, it's really tough because, again, it's such a short window. But, again, they come to us and say, hey, we want to work on this, right? And so I think that's the, that's the big thing. Now, we do talk about a lot about, about the pro athletes, their short window. Our majority of people that we train are going to be used to high school. Gotcha. And, and that's where a lot of that buildup is going to come from. You know, we, yes, we're blessed and we're, and we're very lucky to work with guys like that, like the the pros that we have. Yeah, um, across the facility. So it's more so what they want to get from this and how do we keep building upon year in, year out. So like you're saying, your coach knows you year in, out. And the more that they come in with us, the more that we can, one, build a relationship up. But two, you know, you, you're watching through the season. You're checking, checking the injury history and things like that. And you're taking all these things into account and you're trying to build the best program you can, whether it's a six-month program or whether it's a three-month program. And that's where you try to, try to play out to, to, to what's the most uh, efficient for the time being. So what you're saying is if, if you're in youth, 
the best way to see development is consistency and year attendance. In, year out, yes. And we call that long-term athletic development. It's one of our pillars that we have at DST. It's something that we're very, very important on. And again, for him, I'm not thinking about now. I'm thinking about what it's like whenever he gets to middle school, what it thinks about getting to high school, college, heck, even professional, right? Like, I want to make sure that he's set up, Jackson is set up from, from now, but you don't want to jump the gun, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There's some yeah. crazy parents out there. Let me t- let me tell you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure as, as some of y'all know, right? Yeah. There, there's some get them under a squat bar, yeah, dude. It's like <laughs> it's like you don't need to do that stuff right now. Like like teach them how to move because they're just baby giraffes, right? Like yeah. especially as they go through puberty, they're gonna grow. Yeah. And, and Jackson could be six foot four in in two years. You know, probably not. But my my point being is that 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 person could grow so tall in a short amount of time that they don't even know how to move. Yeah, yeah. Right. So why would I I compromise something and force that person to squat? Like that, that in itself is a big thing too, is also exercise selection. You know, not everybody's made to squat. Not everybody is made to deadlift. Not everybody's made to bench press. Yeah. Right. And that's also where the assessment comes into play is what exercise selection is beneficial the most for the, the individual. And that's I think awesome. that's where a lot of that, that development comes in and really how you build these people up. Um, you know, we have some high school kids that you know started off at 81, 82, their sophomore year, and they're 94, 95 playing at Oklahoma next year. Right. And so yeah. it's just like, I can give them the tool. I can give them a program and I can coach them through the program. But if they're not consistent, like you said, then you're wasting money, right? If you show up twice a week, your chances of getting better are good. Yeah. If you show up four days a week, your chances are better. If you show up five days a week for months and months and months and years and years and years and years, I mean, you're going to see results. And that's just how it is, plain and simple. I I, I look at it like, um, you know, who, what, it's, it's, it's sticking, it's finding a program and sticking to a program. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Trusting that you guys are know what you're doing, what you guys do, yep. and you teach the you teach these players, these young athletes, whether they're 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, doesn't matter that they're that there needs to be an emphasis on strength conditioning. Mm-hmm. There needs to be an emphasis on movement patterns and how to move. Yep. And they stick to a program that they're going to build over time. And in five, six, seven years, they they've been doing this for like five, six, seven years, yeah. and yeah. they're that much more advanced at that point. Right, and I talked about training age earlier, right, with Evaldi. His training age is so high because he's been doing this for a long time. Jackson stays with us until he's 18. I mean, that's 10 years, almost yeah. 10 years of training that he's going to have under his belt. You, As you know, probably going into college, right, most guys don't even know how to squat right. Yeah. No. <laughs> that's, that's, no. And so, and so that that's also beneficial too, right? I've had plenty of kids come in, and we teach them how to do things, right, and they go off to college like, Ryan, like, God, nobody knows how to squat. Like, yeah. yeah, like that's why we teach you these things, you know. But it's it's safety, man, and, that, and that's the big thing. Is you know you hear all these back injuries from squatting five hundred pounds, but they're doing, you know, yeah, they're hunching over. <laughs> the it looks like a dog. Yeah, it looks like a dog. You know, like like uh, so. It's, it's just it's bad technique, and I think that's where our industry gets the most bad rap for is so many people are just like, all right, throw in as much weight as you can and do this. Yeah. I hate the high school setting. I'm just going to say that I, I I don't like the high school weight room setting. It's just, it's just not efficient enough. Yeah. yeah. But that's especially all the, about. the cross football, baseball. Yeah. Every sports demands are different. Yeah. You know, yeah. Why, why should you train a baseball player the same as a football player? Why should you train a soccer player the same as a tennis player? It's just not the same. Their yeah. sports and the demands of the, of the sport is so different. And and it just doesn't need to be the same. Yeah, I, I, and I, I still I still you know there's a funnel right. You talk about five percent of high school athletes are going to go play college, and one percent of those college athletes are going to play professionally. And there's the funnel is still the funnel, whether it's 1997 when I graduated from high school or whether it's now. Yeah. Um, I think the funnel is just getting or getting more prescriptive with with that funnel, and so you need to be strong yeah. to play baseball. Yeah. Um. These guys in college now, as you know, Hunter, just, these guys are freaking beasts. They're and gigantic. They are huge, and they put an emphasis on strength. They're freaks, and yeah. and that's only trickling down to high school. So, yeah. guess what? It's no longer good enough just to um to to get a hitting lesson in once a week. Uh, yeah. And and think you're going to play in high school, right? Yeah. You need to be strong. Absolutely. To do it. I think about my first my first week stepping on campus at Dallas Baptist. I'm like, I mean, it's mid major. You know, they're really good program, and it's one of the probably the best programs in division one baseball and it's yeah. like you know i i thought i came from a really you know <laughs> good strength and conditioning high school program you know i played football played track you know did baseball all through high school had a really good strength coach that you know he was an awesome guy he got to he was a strength coach over at with the cleveland 
Browns. Nice. Um, so had some really good programs as a as a high school kid. Yeah. I was very blessed. Fortunate. Yeah. yeah. For sure. And um, I get on campus though, and dude, I swear our second baseman. He was a he was a senior. Um, he was I no joke squatting five hundred. Uh, my first day in the in the weight room, yeah. and this is like just hey, let's just ease into workout. Oh. 500 yeah reps it out for like six reps i'm like what am i doing (laughs) next guy comes up under the bar uh his name's daniel salters just big you know so strong he looks like an alien looking guy like six five six six catcher yeah puts up like six hundo yeah and i'm just like what 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 did i just get myself into it's not fair (laughs) no it it, it isn't fair and i think that was probably the biggest thing that i recognized too growing up like like i said i wasn't very good at at baseball growing up in high school and stuff but i thought i was on top of the world playing these showcase events well now that i work in this industry you get guys um from the friendswood area there's a kid drafted out of high school a couple years ago dude six four two twenty five through through 94 across the diamond hit 105 evs and just like this dude's a freak, and yeah. this, this guy was a freak at 14 years old, and there's yeah. nothing you can do about that when, whenever you're my height or, or really anything. Like, yeah. it's just not fair. Yeah. Yeah. It really isn't. It really it's isn't. not. And, you know, I, I feel like, you know, for me it was a huge wake-up call, and yeah. obviously my my red my freshman year I ended up redshirting. Yeah. I came in at like a buck 75, left that year, and, you know, I'm leaving going to play summer ball, and I was like two two ten. Yeah, and it it was good weight. It right. was not bad weight. One hundred percent. Just like got to got a really good strength coach out of you know Adam Ross. You know who's you know still leading the the program over there at DBU and right. you know great program. Yeah, it's great just program. really great program. But at the at the end of the day, it's like I because I was consistent with it, I was able to obviously develop You're myself. Stacking. And yeah. you know, I came in probably squatting like maybe 300 maybe right and you know i'm leaving and it's like 425 and it's like you know i feel like that was a pretty good gain you know pretty good it's pretty good uh for for reference if you can squat two times your body weight you're pretty strong you're you're in in an elite position right and so if you're 200 pounds you're squatting 400 pounds you're you're in a great strength range and that's I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, you got you got squat two times your body weight for, and it could be like two point two five, like really for males, uh, for females like one seven five two, and even then that's still pretty strong for a female, right? Um, you know they're they're squatting they're one hundred forty pounds squatting two fifty, like that's that's pretty good. Even two twenty five, you put on two twenty five, and that's pretty good, right? And so you, we have these little little numbers that we're looking at, like hey, we're strong enough here, or hey, we need to get to this number here. Like you talked about, right? Like bumping up your squats going to only make you stronger. Yeah. But, but stronger is also going to make you more powerful yeah. and faster. And, and without and, a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. And that's, I think that's also where the science comes in too, right? Yep. You were asking about science earlier. Like when I'm, when I'm in the strength phase, like I need to get as strong as I can, but you don't need to be in a strength phase for three months. Right. Right. So you go strength power, speed power, and then, then you play. Right. And that's kind of how you build into these things and, and the periodization of the timeline of basically when they're training. Yeah. And that's kind of what you were asking her is periodization. Like, how do you, how do you start somebody? How do you finish them? What's the process in between, right? So, yeah. sweet. Well, t- let's t- unique. Let's reel it back. Okay. I mean, we're gonna kind of go back into an, um, something that we've kind of touched on, but I want to dig a little bit deeper into it with okay. our third inning question. So, how do you approach building a youth strength and conditioning program, and at what age should they begin? And then, second question to follow up with that is, how is it different than working with high school, college pro athletes? For the, for the youth, like I talked about earlier, is long-term athletic development, right? You want to you want to stack on consistently, 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 year in, year out. I'd probably start it twice a week. From a 10 to 12 is the prime time to start training. Ten is, and, and what kind of weight training are we doing at that age? You're talking about body weight training. You're not even okay. talking about weights. And maybe you get the occasional, hey, go grab a 10-pound dumbbell, right? Got maybe it. at most. And maybe, you know, uh, a 15-pound kettlebell, things like that. But... You're not even putting a bar on their back. You're not having them do anything landmine related. And it's just body weight stuff because, you know, most of the time you'll see people doing push-ups and their elbows are wide and it's all technique based, right? And so you even see the pyramid. Yeah. You see, a, you see grown people doing this sometimes, yeah. just don't know how to do it. So it's more so you want to, you want to build them into a spot that they can build and know what they're doing whenever they are 12, whenever they are 14, whenever mm-hmm. they do go to high school, because as you know, in high school, college, whatever sports, you got 20 people that are working out. One to two coaches can't take people to the side and be like, you need to work on this, you need to work on this. Yeah. And that's where the private side, I think, is 
is so beneficial is that yep. you can kind of focus on the technique. And that's where these kids need to focus on the most is like in their baby giraffes, right? They don't know how to move. They don't know how to run. They, they waddle whenever they walk or their, their legs flail out whenever they're kick or whatever they're running. Um, and so like that, that all needs to be taken into the approach of don't, don't run before you can walk type stuff. Um, and I think that's where you start with high school for the youth kids. And again, you just, you're just trying to get them strong as you can for their age. Yeah. Let them push a the sled. They get, they have fun with that. But these guys, like I almost look at their training as like a jungle gym, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know if Jackson ever told you, I let them climb around our weight racks all the time. They loved it. And th- and I think that's what training needs to be is fun. Yeah. Right. Talked about crazy parents earlier. Right. And so, so many parents want them to be, Oh, I want them to, I want them to squat. I want them to do this. Like, dude, they're 10. Right. Yeah. When we were 10, we were on jungle gyms playing in a park. Right. Yep. We weren't even thinking about the weight room. No. I think that's, what's so different too, from 10 years ago is that more people want to advance now than later. I say pump the brakes. I say wait a little bit more. Let them have fun as a kid. Yeah, let them be a kid. Yes. <laughs> you know, and that, I think that's what's so, so unfortunate is that so many people are hyper-focused on performance at 10 years yeah. old versus yeah. what it was. It, it just makes it not fun for them. And then they end up getting burnt out. And then by the time they're done with senior year of high school, they don't want to play baseball anymore. Yeah. So that's one thing. When you talk about middle school, high school, college, professional, I think the funnest group to train me is high school girls. Funny enough, I, I work with a volleyball company and I love training them. They bring a lot of energy. They're different. They like to get after it. And like some guys, when you're there, like, you know, you have lazy days. You don't feel like doing something. The, the girls, when you, when you get, when yeah. they get the, I mean, it happens to all of us, you know, but, but the girls, they just love getting after it. Like the, the, the camaraderie, the group, the, the cheering each other on, like you, yep. you get stuff like that in the weight room, but it's just different with females. And I think that's probably my favorite group to train. And again, you're talking about jump training. So you're talking about jumping. You're talking about just hitting a volleyball and just having them go at it, um, you know, on most cases. But I think that that's the best realm is the high school uh, training age. Um, it's great to work with college athletes. It's great to work with pros. But you get to make such a big impact on these high school kids yeah. that they're going to look back in five years and think, man, Ryan was awesome. Like, Sam, man, he really helped me out. And that's the same thing with uh, that Friendswood kid. He just looked back. He's like, man. Sam was so hard on me, but I, I, I appreciate that so much now that I'm in pro sports. Yep. Uh, it's just a big thing. And so I think that the relationships, the, the leadership, the, the mentorism that you can, I don't even know if that's a word, right? But being a mentor to these kids are huge. And it's, it's more of an impact there than it is that ever will be. Yeah. And that's such an impressionable, I mean, impressionable age, number one, but also, I mean, every, their, their bodies are changing. They're and all soaking that stuff. everything yeah, in, too. Right. Like they're, like, they're like a sponge, and they're yeah. going to mimic everything that we do, just like the young kids do. It, it even happens through high school. Um, but I think where I look at, I didn't have nothing like this growing up. No. <laughs> There's nothing like this whenever we were in high school. No. And I graduated in 2011, and that's when DST just started, right? And so, you know, if I, I knew if I had something like this, it, it, would, it would be beneficial um, but now that I get to kind of be in this position to help people, it's just like, that's what my mind says is I didn't have this. I want you to be better than me. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the big part of, of training that high school age. And, and again, just letting them, letting them get after it. And so, um, you know, you got some college freaks out there that are strong too. Um, but it, it all starts with high school and middle school and the foundation of, of uh, training. What about from like a sport to sport? I know we kind of hit on this mm-hmm. earlier, but one thing whenever I was in high school that was kind of like controversial is like, should baseball players be straight bar benching or should they be bar or dumbbell benching or whatever, 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 right? Like right. is, is there anything different that you would do from like your standard lifts as a baseball player versus as you know, maybe a football player or an ath- a track athlete or whatever. Uh, of course. I mean, the, the, the demands of the sports are all different. Like, uh, like I mentioned earlier, right? Like a track athlete needs to run. <laughs> Plain and simple, they need to run, right? What? So, <laughs> of course, right? Like, like, be specific when you talk about the specific adaptations of imposed demands. The said principle: What are we trying to adapt? We're trying to be rotationally faster. We're trying to we're trying to be a better baseball player. You're trying to be a better football player. Um, and so, some some people just may not like to lift or, or may not like to bench press. Or, for example, you know, you, you brought up that 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 um, that straight bar. They have different bars out there too that you can use. That's going to not impinge the shoulder. But that goes all back to the assessment, yeah. right? And that's where everything plays a part. So somebody, somebody may not be able to get overhead, so you don't want to press, you know, yeah. do overhead pressing. Or maybe whenever they get to the bottom, maybe you do 90-degree 90, 90 bench press, right? And so it really just depends on the person. It's not so much the sport because 
as as you know, people were doing Olympic lifts all the way through baseball oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. But Nolan Ryan got strong by doing fence posts. That's how he did his Tommy John. Uh, basically, like his that was his elbow enforcer stuff that he really solidified that his elbow was going to be fine after he had that that surgery. Because he just went and did fence posts, right? Which is crazy to think about. Yeah. But it's a specific it's thing. Like, what? Different. But it, it's it, like a it freaking was different. folk it was tale. Different. But, it, but, it, but it's a true story. Yeah, it is. And, I know. And, and, which, is, which is honestly crazy. But but it's the it's the extension of the elbow when you go down, right? And that yeah. really builds into that stuff. So the forearm strength, it's the bicep, it's the shoulder, right? And so a football player doesn't need to be a, a robust rotational athlete unless you're a quarterback, right? That's the only, yeah. only difference, right? It's a rotational athlete. Um, but I think that's where the the thought process needs to be is like, what does this person play? Okay. What is this position that he plays? Right. Mm-hmm. My, my pitchers aren't going to do Nordics. If you don't know what a Nordic is, it's an extreme hamstring exercise that you probably did not have a lot of fun doing. No, <laughs> they are hard. <laughs> they are hard, but a pitcher doesn't need that type of hamstring strength. They're not sprinting all the time. Maybe mm-hmm. every now and then, maybe if they're doing a PFP, they're going to sprint, but it's maybe 10 yards. Right. And so that person doesn't need to run full speed all the time. Sometimes you need to do it just so you don't do strain that type of stuff. Stanton, a couple of years ago, John Carlos Stanton was at like 2014. He had like a hamstring uh, tear, right? But probably because he wasn't running enough high max velocity sprints is why that tore. I don't know for sure. I'm, I'm just speculating. But I think that that's probably why. And that's generally what happens whenever you don't do those types of things. So what's the said for that specific person? More, more sprinters need more hamstring stuff because that's what's going to help you run faster. More rotational athletes, baseball, volleyball, football, Right, they all need rotational stuff. Football players, it's all linear, right? Yes, you have some lateral side to side, but a lot of the stuff is head on, right? And so, what is the 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 and power? Yeah, and power, right? So everybody needs different now. Power is going to be in all sports, right? Just yeah, because of what right. they are, okay. but but specifically power, linear power, horizontal power, vertical power, right? All of those are going to be for each different sport. Yeah, gotcha. and then um, on on I was talking to Mike Early, who's the hitting coach at A and M. Um, a few months back and his, he has a 10 year old also. And he was, he was, he was telling me that um, he talks to parents and parents are ask ask him, you know, how many lessons should they have a week hitting lessons and building lessons. And he says, you know what? Sometimes the best thing to do is how about, how about scratch the lessons, but go do some strength conditioning and yeah. uh, teach them how to be an athlete. Absolutely. Yep. And Absolutely. he said their movement patterns will, they will, they will adapt, and by virtue of just being a better athlete, they're right. going to hit the ball better, right? Especially at an early age, right? And and you talk about specificity. I think specificity happens too young. I think being a one person or one athlete person, even in high school, is is foolish. Go run track. Go play football. Go play basketball. Right? Give your arm a break because baseball is year round nowadays, as y'all know, right? And so give the arm a break. Give give a chance to recover. But like we talked about, let him be a kid, right? Go on fishing trips, go canoe, go hiking, right? Go do some fun stuff like that. And that's also a refresher for people too, is that that keeps them engaged whenever they do have to have uh, a high demand in their sport. And I think that is too much nowadays. You know, you specialize at, at 12 years old. I'm only going to play baseball. I think that's foolish. Yep. I think I think you should constantly play different sports, expose them to different things. Because, you know, like I said, there's different demands of the sports, right? It's going to be more lateral. It's going to be more linear. You're going to, you know, twist and whatever, right? And, like, I think that's so important, especially at a young age, is to continue to, to mix up uh, the type of, of sports that y'all get to do. I think it's going to make it more athletic, to be honest with you. Yes, you're right. Strength and conditioning is huge, and, and athletic performance is huge. But at the end of the day, let them let them be exposed to different demands of different sports, and that's only going to make them more resilient. Yeah. So whenever we have multi-sport athletes like that, yeah. whenever you are training them at the high school youth level, yeah. what does their program look like from it? Like, do you have it mixed up, like from like what a football player would typically have or a baseball player? Like, how do you kind of divvy up or figure out like what's best for that kid? Again, it goes back to their goals. It goes back to what they want to get out of this at a young age, you know, 14 to 18. You're talking about high school kids. You don't want to be overly specialized either, general training, because most of them probably have never stepped in a weight room and done things correctly before anyways. Yep. So why should I train that person like Evaldi? It's just way different. Yeah, So that's true. It, it, and that's the big part of it, too, is that I think so people get hyper-focused on I need to squat 500 pounds by senior year. Well, first you need to squat right before you do that. Right? Yeah. And so things like that is where that discrepancy goes from. Um, when you talk about the seasons, you know, you have uh, people that just get out of summer ball. You got someone that plays, for instance, baseball and basketball. Okay. They get out of summer ball in 
August, right? Right at the beginning of August, they stop playing summer ball. You have from August until November to train, and you train hard, okay? They probably are a person that, in this specific example, I'm thinking of one of my kids that I have that does play baseball and basketball. He's an undersized kid. He's 6'4", but he's 140 pounds. A tough combo to to do, by the way. It, it, yeah. it is. It is. It, they, they coincide with each other, right? Yeah. They just kind of blend Too in. Much. But but I think it's great that he plays multi-sports like that. It's going to give him a break from his arm. He's not going to rotate as much. It's going to be good for him. He's going to get exposed to plyometrics that are only going to make him more explosive. Okay, so I have to think about these things as they start ramping into, into basketball season. I need to deload some of the plyometrics and the sprints and the jumps and things like that so his shins don't get beat up. Mm-hmm. But I got to keep in mind that he's mainly a baseball player. So I need to make sure that the scaps, the shoulders, the forearms, the biceps, the hamstrings are all in a good place that he can stay healthy. Now, he's going to leave in November, right, is about when he left, and he's playing his season. Now, he'll come in about once a week and we'll just do some touch-up stuff. Right, he'll he'll squat a set of you know three by three. Don't really do more volume just because it's going to make him more sore. If he comes in on Tuesday, he's got a game on Friday. Right, I don't want to make sure that he's overly sore on Friday, and so those type of like timeline is is challenging. Yes, but keep the main thing the main thing. He's here to get bigger. He's here to get stronger. He's here to play baseball. Right, but I want to make sure that he's still a good basketball athlete as well. Mm-hmm. So it's just it does take some some practice and. And you see things uh, over and over and over and over again, which makes it easier on the programming side. Um, so that's kind of where we have to think about, too, is what is this person here for? What is their sport? What's their timeline? And all of those things we take into account when we build these programs up. I when, love that. When they, when they come in and say, I mean, because it sounds like a lot of folks come in and say, I want to squat 500, I want to yeah. squat 450. Yeah. Everybody wants do to get you, stronger. Do you, say, do you take a step back and say, is it a better goal or is it just, I guess, um, is it a better goal to say, Hey, I'm throwing 83 right now, and I'm 14, but I want to throw 88 by the time in within 10 months. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it probably just comes down to just getting stronger. They're they're probably not strong enough to throw that hard. Yeah, and the, I think the main thing for that is just keep getting stronger. Now, you don't want to continuously do six, 10, 12, 15 reps month in month out. Like that's where the reps need to go down closer to the season that you get because mm-hmm. more volume is only going to make you more tired. And as you increase sport, you decrease strength and conditioning and vice versa once you get into, into the offseason. Yeah. Right. And so it's that that fill the water cup up from different sides of things that's only going to make it more beneficial to the people and how we adapt to the training, to the sport and things like that. Yeah. So so <laughs> lead, leading into that is just a, a kind of curveball question here. So I had a curveball too, <laughs> man. <laughs> hey, we'll go back to back curveball. Let's do it. Let's do it. There you go. Let's do it. Uh, so we have we have a we have a fall. We talked about a lot about the off season, right? right getting stronger, right. Uh, specifically in in any well, any sport, but specifically baseball. You lead into the season, mm-hmm. and what does that workload look like from a youth perspective? Uh, when we're playing, you know, every other weekend, we got three practices a week. How how do you manage that workload going into? The and specifically for youth, yes. Yeah, I mean, again, they're they're not their training age is not very high, so. They they probably need more hypertrophy than anything, which is building muscle, right? Mm-hmm. And getting getting bigger in the sense of that. Um, you know, if they got a game on Friday, maybe we just don't do a lot of biceps and triceps and forearm stuff on Friday, right? But if you come in on a Tuesday, Thursday, which what I recommend for most twelve year old athletes is twice a week, mm-hmm. you hit total body both days, right? You're gonna squat one day, you're gonna deadlift the other day, you're gonna do some push ups on one day, and you'll do light bench press or you know ten pound bench press, but a lot of it is just carrying grip strength, right? Like you want to build those types of things up that are really going to go into it. But at the end of the day, like, again, not being overly specific. Yeah. Right. I, I, you, you shouldn't, we shouldn't think like that. Like I shouldn't think, man, he's got a game on Saturday. I should be really careful about what he does. I think you keep pushing the needle as long as they're not injured. I think as long as there's no injuries, there's no soreness or nothing that's bothering them, you push it. Because again, they're they're going to need that. They're going to recover a lot faster than us, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. They're, yes, they're, they will. <laughs> right, and so their their recovery process is so quick that it doesn't matter, right? And yeah. so that's where I think being overly specific at a twelve year old is non-existent, right? Give them the basics, let them work hard, and let them get after it. But for a kid that's going into high school, a senior that's got about to go play, like once they get into season. Back off. Back mm-hmm. off of some of the weightlifting. You do one to two, maybe three sets of three for a squat. You do some jumps. You do some hamstring stuff. Get out. They should be out in 45 minutes. And that that's where the big discrepancy comes from, too, is is the workload management. Yeah. Right? They're practicing every day. They play twice a week. In tournaments, they're playing Thursday through Saturday. 
and they're probably throwing, you know, seven to ten innings if you're a pitcher and you're, you know, maybe you throw four innings on a Thursday and you throw four innings on a Saturday, right? Those types of things are, are all very important too. Gotcha. Nice. So, yeah. Well, let's go back to back here. So, <laughs> let's do it. Okay. So, whenever you're in season, is yeah. it, are you still looking to be like trying to hit a PR on everything or are you trying to maintain or like what is? I say both. <laughs> I, I, I think it's, I think it's definitely both. Like I think you still sh- should strive to get stronger, but don't do it so much that you're overly fatigued, right? But you may see a PR. But honestly, if, if we're talking about PRs specifically, say for jump, for example, you're probably going to get one or two PRs a year, and twelve months out of the time, you're only going to see that number jump up higher than what you've ever jumped once or twice a year. So, yes, you may get you may be able to see some stuff that you haven't seen before. But that could just be the training aspect. Um, the the kid from Paraland that I talked about earlier, that was Oklahoma. Um, he hit a ninety five PR from the left side going into the state playoffs. Wow, which is unheard of. Usually those guys are fatigued at that yeah, point, yeah. right? Yeah. But he he's he's hitting ninety four, ninety five. Like like you. And what's can his training program like? I mean, it's it's power stuff, right? Like again, like I talked about, in and out in forty five minutes. Hit hit the stuff. He's got some ankle stuff. He's got some elbow stuff. Focus on those things. Make him feel good and leave and then go play. So it really just depends on the person. I, I think that that's always going to come down to is what the individual needs and what, what their, their, their adaptations are. Obviously, he needed more power stuff, which is what we did leading into the season, and that helped him. So do more power. But if you do something for too long, it doesn't work. So you got to be careful of how much of that stuff you do. You don't want to go all in in uh, January, and then he fades out by March, yeah. right? So you got to play this long game and space these types of things out so they don't get overworked and their fatigue is, is the right spot. Um, but again, adaptations happen quickly. And about, yeah, I'd say like a month, two months at most is probably at, at the, the peak of where you want to stick with something specifically. And it's not that you want to change everything week in, week out, right? You, most programs are going to be a four month or a one month long program, four weeks, and then you change some exercises here and there. But it's not uncommon to squat, you know, four months in a row. Just right. depends on the rep scheme, right? Ten, eight, five, three, right? And as you go lower, the strength goes up and things like that. And so it really just depends on who the person is. But yeah, that person is just it was crazy to see him getting stronger in the season. He, he was ninety one starting the season and then he had a breakout year and I mean he was touching ninety four all the way through through summer. Wow. Ends up signing with Oklahoma. Just to give a little perspective, you know, um, I'm going to flex a little bit here. Yeah. Um, whenever we went on our, in 2018, we went um, on our Omaha run yeah. with y'all State. Were, y'all were special. We were great, man. Yeah. Um, but I, I will say, like, we did this um, lift in, in Omaha, uh-huh. and it was at some random, I guess it might have been at Creighton's weight room. I don't really remember where it was, but yeah. I, I, I believe, I, so I PR'd in my, my deadlift. One of our pitchers deadlift, or PR'd in his squat. Um, I cut and a couple other guys just were like PRing and just about every single thing. I don't know if it was just because we were so amped to be there, but also too, it's just like, I mean, we were just like, that was the end of our season. Like yeah. there is like maybe a week left yeah. and it is the, the time when we need to be the best version of ourselves yep. and we're PRing in every single, in every single category in the weight room. And right. I, I just don't think that's a coincidence. I think that was just a huge telling number one to our strength coach, Brian Neal at the, you know, he's a freaking awesome strength guy. Yeah. Now he's at Virginia tech. Um, but outside of that, like, you know, it's just a testament of like our team. Like yeah. it, our team was, if you know anything about us, like we were not good to start the year, no. lost our coach, got a new coach and like midway through the season, found a way into the postseason, found a way into the super regionals, found a way into Omaha and just kept getting better and better and better right. and better. And it's just like, the the weight room I feel like is such a good dictation mm-hmm. of your team and and your development as a player. Like if you're getting better in the weight room, you're going to get better on the field without a doubt. Yeah, right? you're also going to stay healthier too. Yeah, <clears throat> and, and it's not it's not no surprise that you're hitting PRs. Like it's probably what you call peaking, right? Power lifting. You you want to peak right at your competition. Yeah. Well, Omaha's your competition. Yeah. Right. That's where you need to be the best, just like you said. So there probably was a periodization that your coach had that. Hey, we're going to be the most powerful here. We're going to be the strongest here, and we're going to be the best versions of ourselves so we can play the best. And that's probably what happened if I were to take a guess. Yeah, he, <laughs> I mean, I didn't know it was happening, right. but it, it definitely happened. Yeah. You know, and everybody was just like, I mean, everybody was so fired up, man. Yeah. And then we obviously get out there, and you know, ran into Adley Rushman. So. <laughs> um, okay, oh, so man. let's let's move on to our fourth inning topic. So, what recommendations do you have for the youth players? 
on how to get stronger, more athletic, and throw harder. I feel like we've kind of already answered this. Just any quick hitters on that? I mean, just stay consistent. I mean, find find a good program. Find somebody that has the best interest in you as the kid and as the parent and stick with it. Yes, yeah. you may not see results tomorrow. You may <clears throat> not see results in a week or a month or a year. But the more consistent you are, the more you do it. Now, like I talked about earlier, at 12, 12 years old, you know, 12 to 14 is good for like two to three times a week. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. In the summer, we did four, right? But that's yep. okay. Like how I did the summer was two strength days and two, let's just have fun. You know, yeah. let's pick up, let's, let's do the head, head, knee, shoulders, cone drill, like shuffle drill. Like, like find ways to have fun and, and make it enjoyable. Don't be overly specific now. Wait about specificity whenever you're 16, 17, 18 years old whenever you do have a better chance of playing in college or whatever the next step is for you, mm-hmm. be a kid, right? Oh, that's probably my biggest thing is be a kid. Let them have fun. Let them enjoy their stuff. Let them go hang out with friends, ride bikes, go canoeing, go swimming, go tubing, whatever it is, like enjoy those moments because once you get to our age, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> right? And so enjoy those moments as Hurts best you to get can. Hurts to get out of bed. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, so... So that, that, that's probably the biggest thing is enjoy your time, enjoy where you're at. As a parent, enjoy your time with your kids because it's going to flash right before your eyes. Before you know it, they're, they're graduating high school, and you're going to look back like, man, I wish we did more, more stuff. Unless, I wish we did less baseball. Unless we did less volleyball, football, whatever it is. Like, enjoy those times. I think that's probably the biggest thing. Love that. Yep, love it. Awesome. Well, let's walk us off, man. You got any last words? Man, uh, I do want to highlight uh, Lee's elbow enforcer stuff. I think that's probably the biggest thing where DST is kind of going. Um, Whenever I mentioned that he was with the Angels for five years, uh, in his first year he had about seventeen shoulder and elbow injuries, right? Which is almost the entire roster of pitching, right? So you're talking about minor league guys that are having to come up and get an opportunity, which is great for them, but the high amount of injuries is not good. He developed a plan, and which is what we call the elbow enforcer. By the time in his fifth year, that number was reduced to almost like three to four people, which mm-hmm. is which is holy abs- cow! That's a big number. So he has a device, like I talked about earlier, that helps strengthen and increase ligament size, which is hard to do. So you take a muscle strengthening and enlarging approach to the tendon, okay? wow. and you, you, you do that. And so, again, by the time he's in his fifth year, that number was so small. We took this to Arizona Christian University. They did a bunch of studies, case studies. I'm talking about MRIs, X-rays, right? testing people every so often just as you're supposed to do in in case studies with hypothesis and things like that and literally we have developed a process that reduces injuries for the shoulder and elbow which is huge that's insane we're in the very early process of rolling this stuff out right and so dst has some announcements on it and what you'll see on instagram and things like that um but he is slowly rolling these things out he's got 12 devices i showed chris the other day it looks cool and i think he even tried some of the finger stuff and i think that's where a lot that's of people don't think about is what our fingers do. I'll, I'll roll my sleeve up. You can see yeah. my muscles moving just from my fingers. So why not train the fingers and go into the forearm, the elbow, the bicep, the shoulder, right? And so I think that's where the big thing is going to come from and, and where Lee has come from with the, the elbow enforcer, it's going to change the game. I, I, I truly believe that not even just because I work for DST. I truly believe that he's put his time, life, effort, money his heart and soul, blood, sweat, tears, everything into this thing, and it works. Okay, so over these next couple of years, you'll see, you should see more of this stuff coming into play, and um, we're really just kind of ramping things up right now. And so myself included, I still play here and there. I popped my elbow, throwing a curveball, right? So I'm also a person that's doing this case study to see what it does to me. And I, wow. want, I want to be able to see this stuff work, and I believe it will. Um, so when did you have TJ? I had a partially torn uh, uh, UCL in high school. It did not get surgery, did not get TJ or anything like that. I rehabbed it. My, so this is my senior year. It's either get, get surgery and miss all of senior year or rehab it and do what I can. And that's what I did. Yep. Played club baseball, hurt all through club baseball. Went from a person that was a, a, a three o'clock time slot to submarine just so I could make my arm not hurt, but I could still play. I stopped playing for a couple of years. I go play men's, you know, a, a little men's league, and I end up throwing like seventy innings. I threw a ton. I, I was throwing a ton. Of, I had like a one three ERA. Mix, you know, men's league. Flex. Regardless, Let's right? go. But, but <laughs> we're talking about guys that whatever, right? But but I, my point being is, I threw a lot of innings, right? And and I would take care of my arm here and there. But again, I threw a curveball and felt that pop. And this this thing has helped me already. So I just want to highlight the elbow enforcer. What it's going to do? Be on the lookout for it. We're going to be ramping it out. 
um, and all over social media and things like that. And again, I, I think this is going to be the a game changer in baseball. I really. And do. what are y'all? What are y'all's social medias? Uh, social media. So DST underscore Houston is going to be the Instagram and Twitter page. That's the main page for everybody. Um, DST underscore Houston's underscore South is the one that I work at. And obviously you got Arizona. If you just do DST underscore Arizona, San Antonio, those are going to be out there too. Um, those are all over Instagram, things like that. And then uh, I guess my personal would be the RA Henry 18 on Instagram and stuff. So awesome. So Let's yeah. Go. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, thanks for having me guys. Uh, definitely appreciated this and uh, always nice to get the word out. You know, I, I like uh, being able to talk about stuff like this. So Ryan, it's been a lot of fun getting to talk to you, man. Yeah. This is really cool stuff. And I'm really excited to, Obviously, see y'all's uh, program develop as well, but also just it's really exciting to hear what youth baseball's got coming up. Yeah, yeah. A, lot, a lot of special things, man. I, I truly believe that. I, th- I think that um, people are going to keep getting better, right? Obviously, as you know, um, but the more consistent people stay, the, the better, and and uh, just keep enjoying life. I think that's the that's the big thing that we we need to focus on. Amen. Amen. Love, Love it. Appreciate it, guys. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Fifth Inning Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Hunter Vansall, alongside my co-host, Chris Garcella, and we'll see you on the next one. Later. Later, guys.